Turn with me to Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2. And I'll begin reading with the 8th verse. The first 7 verses of that talks about Joseph and Mary's journey to Bethlehem. And then it picks up in the 8th verse... And it says this, as the Lord blesses his word as he sees fit as we look at it together. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger." And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angel, angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now folks, this morning, I think one of the most amazing things about the Christmas story is this passage of Scripture which I just read to you. I don't know whether you've ever thought about it or not, but God chose the Christmas message. God chose the Christmas messengers, and God chose the group of people who were to be the first to hear that message. Isn't that something? So, I want to share with you just a little bit Related to the Christmas messenger, I won't spend a lot of time on this because I want to spend the majority of the time on those that God had chosen to hear that message. But the messengers, God sent this message by angels. And this is a pattern in the scripture when God had something really important that he wanted to share. He sent his angels to give that and just in this context alone, when it comes to Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist that came into the world that was to be the forerunner 
of Jesus Christ, and to Mary and Joseph, you know the story well, how that in each of these cases, God sent His angel to relay His message to them. And so, we have an illustration of that in this passage of Scripture this morning. And they were so afraid. I don't know whether you've ever thought about it or not, but if you could imagine that you would have been these shepherds out in the field taking care of their sheep, and that's what they would have been doing. They would have been guarding them from all the beasts that might harm them or anyone who might want to steal them or what have you. And they actually abided in the field. They slept with their sheep. That's what the Bible is saying there. And I want you to get that picture in your mind because I think that's a very important thing that we might understand. But then the message, I want to spend just a little bit of time on that. The message. The message we find in verse uh, number of 10, starting with verse number 10. Here's what it says. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. Well, that's what we need in our world today, is it not? Great joy. Great joy. Uh, I, I often remark about this, that the two most awesome blessings that any human being could ever experience comes through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Both those things are in this message, peace on earth and, and joy that he mentions in verse number 10. And those two things in the Bible, uh, it tells us that they cannot be uh, communicated to others. I can't explain to you uh, what that joy is or what that peace is because with both of them, the Bible says, it's peace that passeth understanding. And I want you to know this morning, if you've experienced that in your personal life, you don't even understand it. You just know it when it's there. To have that peace, that no making difference whatever happens in our unpredictable world, and it is, that you've got that peace. If the Lord were to come back today, you have the peace to know that you'll go with Him and spend eternity with Him in heaven. That's a peace that cannot be described. And the joy is unspeakable, the Bible says, and full of glory. In other words, I can't tell you about it. I know it when I've experienced it, and so do you. And so, the joy unspeakable and peace that passeth understanding. And both of these things are in this message that come by way of angels. And verse 10 again says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not. I want you to know that's an important statement too. And I preach a lot about that. You know, there, there, there's lots of people in this world that they're just constantly in fear. They're afraid of everything. And the worst part about it is being afraid of dying. You know, the world is full of people that are afraid of dying. They don't want to think about it. They don't want nobody to talk about it. They're afraid to die. But I want you to know something this morning. Part of this Christmas message is fear not. Fear not. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. And I, and I want you to know this is not a boastful statement this morning. I don't have any boasting in me. The only boasting I have in me is of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His plan to redeem His people from a corrupt and fallen and evil world. And I, But I would say that there is no fear in me. 
I, you say, preacher, that just don't seem possible. It is possible, but it's only possible through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not to be afraid. And I want you to know this morning, if you're afraid of dying, I can help you to get to the place in your life and experience where you're not afraid to die. Not afraid to kiss this old world goodbye. That's a wonderful thing. And that's part of this message that is here. In verse number 11, they said this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, I'll make just a little bit of mention of this because I think people ought to know that a couple of our holidays or whatever you want to call them that we observe, uh, they come about through uh, corrupt means many, many years ago. You say, well, preacher, do you mean that Jesus probably wasn't born at this time of year? That's exactly what I'm telling you. I can tell you from this story of the shepherds that that Jesus would not have been born in the winter, but probably somewhere around September is my is my best guess. Somewhere around September is when Jesus was born. And and so pagan pagan holidays came about by the Roman church came about that we have it. You say, well preacher, should should we as Christians observe uh, Christmas then on account of that? Yes, we should. And I'm going to tell you why. Even though it came about by corruption and corrupt means, it is a time when this world is thinking about the birth of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. And I think we ought to take a corrupt holiday and turn it around and make something out of it. Amen? And use it as an opportunity to glorify and honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how I feel about that. And you know, if we all were to decide I'm not going to observe Christmas or Easter anymore, then I wouldn't tell you something. It wouldn't change nothing. It will not change a thing. So I think we ought to jump in with both feet and do everything we can to honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then tell anybody who wants to know that it came about from a pagan holiday. That's how it came about. And I believe it was uh, had something to do with the sun, soltis or whatever. Uh, it might have been that, that cold rub, soltis. <laughs> I don't know nothing about that, but I know how it came about. And so I want you to know that in this verse, the message says that He's Christ the Lord. You like that? Christ the Lord. Somebody might say, well, I know Jesus as my Savior. Well, the question is, do you know Him as Lord? Because that's who He is. Like it or not, He is Lord. And that means He controls our life. And so it says that uh, related to this uh, message. And then we can jump on down to verse 14. This is a good part too. Here was part of the message. And the angels were saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. That was their message. On earth, peace. Peace. You say, well, that sounds good, preacher, but there's not any peace on earth uh, ever once in a while. Well, on at Christmas time, I'll make reference to uh, the song we just sung a little while ago. I think this is so neat, the story. It's 267, if you want to turn there and look at it again. But the, the song was, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And uh, you can look this up if you want to. This was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And the interesting thing about this 
this story, this song is that in the third verse, he said this, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. Yes, there is. And the songwriter experienced it in the song. If you read the last two verses there, and the reason why he said that is because there is no peace on earth. And there never will be any peace on earth. That would include everyone. But I want to tell you there is a peace on earth related to the Lord's people. There is peace. But he says here, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now you might be interested in knowing that this song was written on Christmas Day, 1863. On Christmas Day. The American Civil War was going on and his son was shot and killed on Christmas Day, 1863. And on Christmas Day, he got that word. And he literally did bow his head and pin this song. Bowed his head and pinned this song. His son was killed on that day. And then the last two verses, I'll read them to you. Then peel the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail and right prevail of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Folks, I want you to know there is peace on earth, but it's not a peace for everybody. It's a peace for the Lord's people. That's who it's for. And it is real. It is real. And so that is the message here. And goodwill toward men, this is not goodwill among men. It's goodwill toward men. And the meaning of that, and in the Greek, in the Greek, this is what it means. Goodwill on the part of God toward men. It is men who are the object of goodwill from God. That's what that means. In the original Greek, it comes out a little clearer than it does in our Bible. But that's the meaning of it. And so that's where that peace comes from. But I want to share with you in the moments that remain what I think is probably the most amazing thing about this story. You see, when time come to send the angels of heaven down to the earth to give this message, the Christmas message, Almighty God chose the ones who will be the recipients of that message. And we might think, well... I would expect that he would have sent that message to the religious of his day, of that day, the religious, which would have included the lawyers. When you find lawyers in the Bible, it don't mean lawyers like we know today. It means those who were experts in the law, in the law, the law of God. The lawyers, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin court, 
And I want to tell you something this morning about the condition of the religion in the time when Jesus was born. And it is more clearly seen when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and telling him, you must be born again. And here is what Jesus said to him in the third chapter and the tenth verse. He said, and Jesus answered and said, well, Nicodemus said, how can these things be in the ninth verse? And in the tenth verse, Jesus answered and said unto him, Thou art a master of Israel, and knowest not these things. That describes the religion of the time when Jesus was born on this earth. There was a lot of religion. Folks, I want to tell you something this morning. It's not religion in general. I've been sharing with the folks on Wednesday night a passage, a question that was asked about Jezebel. Preacher, can you tell us what, what it meant for Jezebel to be mentioned uh, in one of the letters that Jesus dictated to John and he wrote down? And we've been looking at that. And I want to tell you something. I, there wasn't no person, I don't think, named Jezebel in that church. I believe it was a title that was given something that was going on, a teaching of false religion. And the book of Revelation teaches us more than we could learn anywhere else if we look at it in the right way about what false religion is. And I want to tell you something. When the Lord comes back to this earth, just like when He came the first time, it's going to be rejected. It'll be rejected. It'll be a total failure. There's going to be so many multitudes of people that will hear Jesus say, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. You say, preacher, can you tell us from this text that you've read who they are? I can tell you who they are. They've never experienced the peace in this message or goodwill that come from God. That's who they are. They just went along in life and they thought, well, I'm a member of the church. I'm going to be alright one day. That's not necessarily so. And he's going to say, and the Bible says, many, many, not few, but many would hear him say, depart from me. I never knew you. That would be the awfulest statement I could ever imagine being made. And so, we would think he ought to come to the religious leaders of that day. And like I said, when he returns, they're going to be uh, rejected. Uh, we might think, well, he should have come to those that were in, a, in authority, that set the rules, made the law. What about old Herod? Herod the Great. Well, maybe they should have come to Herod the Great to tell that story. No, they didn't. As a matter of fact, he's the one that tried to kill Jesus after he was born. He was cruel and wicked, and he had been appointed by the Roman government. What about Caesar Augustus? who was the Roman emperor of that day. We'd think surely the angels would have come and let him know. No, no, no. That wasn't who God chose. And God did choose them. Amen? God chose those who were to be the recipients of a story that was going to change all the world and all eternity. But God chose a smelly group of underclass people in the world. You say, preacher, they probably wouldn't smell it. Well, you go out and you spend day and night with your sheep. 
and you sleep with your sheep. And, and did they have, they didn't have, they didn't go take a break and go get a shower. That didn't ever happen. They would have been, to us, smelly. To them of that day, it wouldn't have been so bad because <laughs> everybody was smelly. But they, he chose a group of low-class individuals to reveal this message to. Now, I know there's a theory, some of you may have read it, that says that these were probably priests taking care of the sheep that was going to be used in the temple. I reject that story, and I mean, I have checked it out really well in my, in, in, through the years, but they were the simplest, poorest, least gifted, least accomplished, considered ignorant by the upper class, and confined to hardships and poverty. I want to tell you all, that ought to be good news. That should be good news. Because there's a message in that. And it's in the whole Christmas story. You say, why did God allow His only begotten Son to be born in a stable and laid in a manger? How many of you was raised on a farm? I've made the remark before. I've made a many a step barefooted and cowman ears squirting between my toes. You might think, that's awful. I thank God for every bit of it. Because the greatest lessons I've ever learned in life, I learned in the first ten years that I was alive. I'm serious, and I could tell you what all of them are. And one of these days when I write that book, for all my grandchildren and great-grandchildren, if the Lord delays His coming long enough, what life was like for me when I was a kid, when I was growing up. Um, I text my brother, let's see, was it Thursday morning when it, we got up and it was so cold? It was Thursday morning, I think. I text my brother Randall. And I said, Randall, do you remember us getting up at 4 or 5 o'clock every morning and putting on our clothes, and we had a pair of socks that we put on our hands. And it didn't matter how cold it was, we had it out. Because we'd go get the cows up that we were going to milk. About 20 of them that we were going to milk. And we would take an axe, and we'd break the ice. Because you have to break the ice for your cattle, because when it freezes, they can't drink. I said, do you remember that? He said, I could never forget it. And that's true. We did that. And I was talking to Sue about it and I said, you know, there's probably a lot of people don't have any idea what do cracks are. I don't know if there's anybody here knows what a do crack is. But it's when you head out barefooted bright and early in the morning when dew is on the ground and you experience cracks between your toes from that. That's what a do crack is. Uh, many a time I've had dew cracks because in the summertime we did all that barefooted. We really did. And so I know something about that. But I, I, want, I know I'm running out of time. There's a lot I'd like to share with you related to this. I want to tell you this image of the shepherd is the most repeated image in all the Scriptures 
of leadership. God referred to Himself as Israel's shepherd. The 23rd Psalm, David gratefully affirmed, The Lord is my shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus is the good shepherd and He's the door. He's the shepherd of the sheep. I want you to know, folks, this morning if you're saved, you're a sheep. You are a sheep. And the last words that Jesus spoke to Peter was, Feed my sheep. And you know your pastor is called, uh, appointment is the Greek word, God called apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And that Greek word is appointment. And in the Bible, 15 times that word is rendered herdsman. You say, preacher, I didn't know you was a herdsman. Well, that's what the Bible says. Because you know what else it says in the book of Acts? That you are a flock. That's what the Bible says. And so this is not a bad thing. But I want to just finish our uh, service this morning by sharing with you these words that I've preached from twice in the recent past. And it's in 1 Corinthians in chapter number 1. And verse 26 it says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen. You like that statement? They're the sweetest words I've ever heard. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world. He's not talking about foolish things in general, but of the world. To confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are. Listen to this. That no flesh should glory in His sight. Now I'm going to tell you something. I live in a world where most people are seeking to climb that ladder of success and glory in the world. That's the world I live in. For 45 years in the ministry, I have seen so many do it. I've seen so many, even that claim to know the Lord, to set that aside, to seek to be part of the upper class. I've watched it. I want to tell you all something this morning. The Bible says, but God hath chosen. And He chose a group of shepherds to receive that message. And I want to tell you all something. He tells us why that no flesh should glory in His presence. No flesh will be glorying in the flesh when the Lord zips it all up and comes back to claim His own. I'm going to tell you who they'll be. I already know. They're the humble among us. That's who they are. That's who God has chosen. Are you one of them? Do you want to be? Father, we thank You for the Christmas story. 
We thank You for everything we can learn about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We thank You for Him. We thank You that You loved us with an everlasting love. We thank You that we can understand that everything about You is eternal. Everything. Your knowledge. Everything. That You are Spirit. Not a Spirit, but You are Spirit. Therefore, You occupy everything You've created and Your knowledge is eternal. Thank You, dear God, for revealing Yourself in that way. And thank You for this event that took place that has changed the world and will continue to change the world and all eternity. And I thank You, dear Lord, that You've taught me what You're seeking. And that's what's important. It's not what I'm seeking. It's not what we're seeking. And I thank, oh God, that You would show us and teach us the things that we need to dedicate ourselves toward. We have so many that are not committed to the church. But one day they're going to find out that that's what you chose. You chose the church to bring about your purpose and plan in our communities. And Lord, we're not faithful to you until we understand that. Bless us now as we close this service. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for how good you are to us. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Now would you stand with me please?